Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the Ag Market Network monthly cotton teleconference for this February 9th edition. I'm Pat McClatchy. I'm the moderator of the program. I want to recognize our long-time sponsor, BASF. Uh, they are the owners, of course, everyone knows, of FiberMax and Stoneville Seed. We appreciate them and everything that they do for us. Uh, we do this program uh, each month, the day of the crop report, and uh, we are fortunate today to have uh, Dr. O.A. Cleveland joining us as our lead, lead speaker. He'll be joining our, our panel made up of Gerald Nieper and Kip Butts. Dr. John Robinson is normally with us. He will not be here today. Away, thanks for joining us and, and giving us your thoughts on the cotton market. My pleasure. Thank you all. I hope um, your time is worth some some of my comments, but uh, I'll, I'll hit the high spots, I hope, and uh, as usual, uh, Kip and Gerald can clean them up and do a better job than I am. But the report in itself, to me, was not quite as bullish as I expected, but the market was certainly more bullish than I had expected uh, with the bullish report. Uh, and, and, of course, I would say the port report is bullish. Uh, world production was up 1.5 million bales. Uh, some significant changes across the board, uh, but uh, I missed that. I didn't think it was going to be up that much. World consumption was up the same, uh, 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 150,000 bales. Uh, and world carryover was down six, six, 600,000 bales. I had expected uh, that reduction to be larger, and I know I made some mistakes. World consumption was up 1.5 million. Uh, world production was up uh, 1.5 million, uh, carryover down 600,000. I expected world carryover to come down a little bit more, but where I made my big mistake was I just missed the Chinese crop being up 1.5 million. I thought at most it would be up uh, 500,000. Uh, but they did re elevate Chinese consumption a million bales big time. Uh, and But noted, and I would say let's note, that Chinese carryover also increased uh, a million bales. But... Uh, we do have to mention that the USDA did increase Chinese imports a half a million, so uh, that was significant, I think. We saw changes across the board, but major ones, Pakistan, a couple hundred thousand bales increase in consumption. Uh, the Indian crop was down a half a million, uh, uh, yeah, 500,000 bales. I thought it would be down a little bit more than that. And they only increased Indian consumption 300,000 bales. Uh, U.S. coming home here, uh, pr pr uh, production was as it was last month. Uh, they tinkered with it a tiny bit. Historically, they don't make changes in February, but I thought uh, my numbers were saying we have a smaller crop out there, and I thought USDA had been so slow in getting to the correct number this year that they might lower it in February, but who knows. Uh, I know Gerald did from his stuff. He, he saw potentially an increase in exports coming. I, I think they're there, but I did not think USDA would elevate it uh, just right now. Uh, they increased U.S. exports 250000 I'm not going to be surprised to see it go up another two fifty, but it's too early, I would say. And we brought 
uh, ending stocks down only some 200,000 bales, 4.5 down to 4.3. Uh, some... Consumption changes in Turkey, Bangladesh, India, some plus, plum, some minus. So, but uh, you know, the bottom line is we did it, uh, see a decline in world carryover, but only six hundred thousand bales. The big, the big changes were the bigger crop in China uh, and the uh, big uh, consumption increase in China, somewhat in India. Uh, Again, I, I think it's a bullish comment or a number. We did get that imports in China, despite their much larger crop, are coming up 500,000 bales, I mentioned. And I think that tells us, with the bigger crop they have, that they truly do need U.S. cotton because this huge crop coming in Xinjiang, uh, A, uh, has some considerable air problems, so they've got to get the U.S. cotton to mix with it. And I am one, I've preached it a long time. Uh, I know there's a lot of concern about it, a lot of questions about it, but I think they need U.S. cotton in order to spin uh, yarn, spin fiber that's going to come back into Europe or, or, or the U.S. Uh, uh, not being able to, to, to use as Xinjiang cotton to reach their largest markets. So uh, all in all, I'd say a bullish report. If I can, Pat, just in case I... Uh, go ahead and pass on out. I'll make a quick comment to those that, that didn't come on earlier. I had my second COVID shot about three or four hours, about four hours ago now, and I'm starting to go under the weather. They told me the second one might hit me a little bit. You know, they were right. Uh, but uh, I think of several things we need to watch. I think uh, I think old crop and new crop are both very bullish. I think uh, – just a laundry list I made right here. I think we need to watch the weather in South America. I think it's one of the more important things occurring. Uh, it relates uh, strictly to new crop, particularly the, uh, uh, Brazil. That crop is uh, so far with fairly significantly uh, about the same level it was this time last year, but they're certainly well behind in their ability to put that crop, that cotton crop, in the ground for this coming season. Due, due to the, the moisture love they've, they've had. Uh, uh, the, uh, a couple of other things. I, I just see so much government money being pumped into the market. It's uh, the Fed, ex-Fed chairman, Alan Greenspan's comment about the stock market uh, 20 years ago now, I suppose, of irrational exuberance. Uh, I, I wonder if we're not getting ahead of ourselves in, in the cotton market yet. Uh, I, we can come back and say, look, world consumption is a 1.5 million bales larger than what USDA thought it was last year. So uh, this consumption is coming despite the Trump money, if you want to call it that, that was put in the economy, and now the Biden money is getting ready to be put in, into the economy. Uh, if we can call it that, uh, there, there's just a lot of money out there to buy. We're seeing schools somewhat uh, in, in shape of getting ready to reopen. It's going to come when this money comes. Some of it comes with back to school. So we've got uh, we've got a good apparel market, though there's so much polyester in that market. But we've got that coming, so that, that pent-up demand uh, is going to boost us. So... Uh, I'm I'm all in favor of higher prices, Pat. All right, uh, let's open things up uh, to Gerald or Kip for your thoughts. 
Uh, Pat, this is Gerald. Um, you know, OA, I think, covered it pretty darn well in terms of all the numbers. It was a little bit surprising that uh, actually the, you know, you kept you kept seeing that these Jennings in, in China were, were growing. So, you know, maybe it wasn't too surprising to see the crop in, increase there in China. Um, but uh, it seemed like it was quite a large increase. I mean, everybody else around the world was basically down year over year in terms of yield, or at least unchanged. And China is up 13%. Uh, quite amazing. Um, the uh, uh, But, you know, consumption being up in China, imports being up in China, that's nothing but, uh, but friendly out there. You know, there is a lot of pent-up demand, uh, certainly. You know, is, is USDA too conservative right now with, with consumption? You know, you've got to be asking yourself on that. I mean, there are plenty of stories out there about these retailers really playing it close to the vest in terms of their their inventories. Um, so I don't know that the pipeline is, is, is as full as it, as it can be right now. Maybe that's what we're looking at, these these retailers maybe getting a little friendlier, maybe trying to, you know, order things. Everything is on such a tight schedule in terms of just nearby demand that maybe that's having an, an, an in, a bigger influence than we think on, on, uh, on pricing. Um, the, uh, uh, certainly I, I don't, <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine that, you know, this time last year we were, you know, we were struggling, or actually a little bit later than this time last year that we were struggling, and uh, and and now we're talking. You know, March is within shouting distance of 90 cents, maybe even within shouting distance of, of 95 cents on the May contract. New crop December is sitting around you know 83 and a half, 8400. So whatever acreage numbers we see come out from the NCC this next tomorrow. Um, by the time it's all said and done, I, they're going to be too low. Um, the uh, I, I can't help but think that growers in the Mid-South and the Southeast who might have been thinking about switching to the grains, uh, they may be deciding, you know what, maybe I will plant some more cotton. Cotton, is, you know, cotton prices right now for a new crop are, are at a pretty decent level. So, you know, there's a lot of things flying around in the air right now, but, but certainly – uh, this this market's got some more room to to move to the upside. I, I certainly agree with with OA on that. Kip, yeah, I um, I, I can't. Uh, I hate to echo what everyone else has said, but I, I think there is a bit of upside on this market right now. The, one of the things that I've uh, been talking to folks about here recently is, particularly in the in the old crop here, I think that an awful lot of the cotton is out of farmer hands, which allows us to not have an enormous amount of selling above this market. Uh, so if there is buying to be done, uh, then there may not be the kind of selling we're used to seeing simply because uh, because so much of this crop has moved. I find it interesting that with prices uh, as high as they are now relative to where they have been and USDA dropping their ending stock number, they left the uh, – the price to the farmer uh, unchanged in this report. So I think that is sort of telling us in a roundabout way a lot of this crop has moved. They're seeing a similar type thing. Otherwise, they might have bumped that up a little bit. So I think there's that 
potential uh, for the absence of selling to help these prices higher, whether they're you know justified for other reasons or not. But I do think we're in a pretty technically inspired market right now. I was looking at the spec numbers uh, yesterday, and they're you know the managed money has got quite a position on. It's certainly not a record level, but but it's uh, it's high in relative terms. So one can argue well with the specs come. They are not here completely, but but they've got a good position on. So maybe we're into a little sideways sort of action here in the near term for a while, up a little, down a little, let the market trade till we can decide. Uh, which way to go? My bias is that that there's more upside to this to the prices near term, and part of that is Gerald touched on. It. I thought he did a great job talking about the textile situation right now, and this near term sort of competition for business that um, is a bit. I'm not going to say iffy, but we're seeing pent up demand. We're seeing retailers really be active, and the spinners just don't want to miss that business. And I think that's helped them be more aggressive short-term buyers. Remember, they've been hand-to-mouth for a while now. So um, I, I think that's part of what's what's holding us up. One other thing I want to comment about, and that's U.S. exports that were increased only a couple of hundred thousand on this report. Um, you know, the current pace would suggest it would be quite a bit higher than that. Uh, the, the quarter million they, they increased uh, this time, in relative terms to what we've seen is might be a little bit soft, but they may be telling us uh, that they think things are going to slow down quite a bit after this near-term surge is over. Um, I've been surprised we've been able to maintain these levels with the kind of complaints I've been hearing about, oh, it's difficult to get truckers, oh, we've got some blank sailings, oh, you know, that got canceled and it's just becoming a bit challenging, but still we're at the I think we're at the highest we've been since 1979. Correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but I think that's our cumulative exports are at that level. So you know, there's a lot to be friendly about here, even at these levels, but I'm not so sure um, you know, we're going to do it just immediately. I think we're more sideways here and kind of watch it a minute. So, Kip, if I may add something, because you and I talked about it yesterday, and you brought it up yesterday, but I've talked mm. about it a lot myself in the past time period. When a U.S. merchant or co-op, let's call them the same thing for this comment, when we sell something, that's what gets delivered, and it gets delivered on time. We've worn that out through the years, but that's real, and Kip pointed it out yesterday in our private conversation that uh, still the, the, the international textile mill understands that and there makes them that makes them more willing to purchase U.S. cotton. Uh, go ahead, Kip, since you mentioned it yesterday. No, no, that's not refreshing. No, no, that, no I, well, obviously I, <laughs> I agree with that statement. I think, And I think that's yeah. part of why the U.S. continues to make good sales despite a very sharp discount by the Indian uh, Indian merchant who is not as reliable a shipper and uh, both for uh, the quality and for the timing. So, yeah, I think I think kudos to us for that because we've been able to do that and, and maintain it for a long period of time. But, but when the market, when the textile market is tight like this, I think it becomes more important for those textile mills to have the right quality at the right time 
because this business, I think, for some people, is kind of dicey. They don't know how long it's going to last. Um, if, in fact, we get some sort of a, a resurgence of COVID, but it, things are looking, the last numbers I'm looking at, things are looking a whole lot better, certainly heading in the right direction. So maybe some someone else has some comments about that. I may be well behind the curve on that. Let's, let's take a minute and, and, and open up the phones for questions, and then we'll come back and, and continue the discussion. What we're going to do today is I'm going to unmute the phones for any questions anybody out there has got. When I unmute, when I do unmute it, you can go ahead and just ask your question. I then will mute it again after the question's in because we'll get a lot of static. It's going to be hard to listen, but we want to do this, so just bear with me here. All right, any questions that any of you have for our speakers? Uh, hi, this is Marvin Bloomberg. Yes. Can you hear me? I can. You can invite me to speak, speak, speak up just a little bit. Okay. Um, all of you seem to be very friendly to prices, but how high can we get? Uh, one needs to happen to reach $1. <laughs> A dollar? Okay. This question is for OA. OA, go ahead. Repeat the question, please. He wants to know, he made the comment that everything looked positive, but what is it going to take to get cotton to go to $1? I think Gail made the implication implied it's just going to take the month of May. <laughs> the month of April. Uh, it, it's uh, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I'm somewhere between ninety six cents and a dollar nine cents on old crop. Uh, I, I'll say a dollar nine cents, but there are a few little things that fall into place. Uh, so, but uh, I think ninety six cents is in the cards. Uh, now, you know, I would, a lot of second guessing on me. I first like the thickens at USDA. I'm sure they say, well, it's just because OA missed his forecast. Yes, I did. I missed the heck out of it, but I was relying on their numbers. But more importantly, I'm wrong, going to be wrong a lot more than they'll ever be wrong. But it's what uh, I think Jerry, I think it was Gerald that mentioned it, uh, or I, maybe Kip, it was you. But there's not any, it was Kip, there's not any cotton in grower hands to speak of. We were all selling cotton at 70 cents, at 75 cents, at 76 cents. Because the crop then was still 17.8, 18 million bales, according to USDA. And I think USDA, unfortunately, just took a month or two months off and did not vigorously pursue the size of the U.S. crop. And that's what has, has me so upset about USDA, because there would have been less grower selling back then, uh, and there would be more available for these prices. But that's just me. That's my opinion. Uh, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, we've got some higher prices. And as I wrote in my market letter this past week, I'm more excited about, uh, more bullish about new crop than I am old crop. $0.96 cents to $1.09. Okay. Any other comments before we open up our, the lines again? Oh, wait. Were you, were you referring to 96 to 109 for... For the old crop, for, for old crop, for current crop, okay. Old crop. 
Okay. Well, I mean, certainly take Go ahead, Gerald. I want to hear what you say. Well, certainly, you know, anything – it seems like anything is possible right now. Uh, but I think, you know, the the fact that there's just not a lot of cotton in growers' hands is probably the, the biggest reason to be friendly to this thing. There's just not a lot of natural resistance to to the selling side on on this uh, in, in this market. If you take if you take old crop and and you know even the low end of that uh, ninety six cents, you know that's going to put you know December it's somewhere between eighty eight and ninety two cents I would think. Um, and uh, if you can get it, and if one oh nine becomes you know reality. Um, you know that's certainly going to put new crop somewhere between ninety six cents and a and a buck because you got to think there's there's going to be a huge inversion there, and the higher this market goes, it's just going to yank in a few more acres. Whether those acres get harvested, um, and whether the yields you know uh, uh, cooperate is, is certainly something else entirely, but it's it's certainly going to drag in in more acres. Um, the uh, um, yeah, it's every time I have some kind of a measured move uh, in this marketplace, you know, the market just the market just uh, uh, every time I have a measured move, the market just takes it out and says, "Hey, nice measured move, but hey, we're going higher." <laughs> just blowing it out. <laughs> let's open. All right, guys, let's open it up one more time. Let's see if we can get some more questions here. I've got a question for the the new market that's coming up. All right. Uh, about the weather, the weather concerns, and maybe South Plains of Texas, if if that's going to have any any upside, because we're still really really dry in, in around the Lubbock area, South Plains area of Texas, and if they're even thinking about that right now, it's so early in the year. All right, let's uh, let's address that. You know, I think that's a good point. I'm glad he brought it up. It was one I was going to to mention about when Jira was talking about the the um, getting probably a little bit more plantings with the higher uh, higher new crop prices. This El Nino that we're looking at uh, and the, the existing drought now has the potential. To really, um, we don't know this, of course, but it has potential for Texas to have large acreage and equally large abandonment. Um, and so, I think that because the weather is what it is, we might get a little bit of extra plantings there. Uh, maybe not dramatically so, but simply uh, with prices in February for new crop very good, we may get a little bit of. Uh, some farmers just plant for insurance, and with the hope that they don't, uh, we don't get the rains, and that the El Nino uh, scenario does play out in a large abandonment in Texas. That also has an impact on uh, South America, Brazil. Oway mentioned that earlier, and uh, I, I think the question is is timely, and I think it's important. It's one we don't know, but it's one people need to consider. It can give us both an up market uh, to get it planted, and then uh, 
we may find out we don't have nearly the uh, the production we think. Maybe, Gerald, well, you have some other thoughts on that. You know, you, you mentioned insurance, and 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 you know the the way that you know West Texas has been the last couple of years. You just wonder how many, you know, how, how many insurance acres there will be. I mean, if you've got if you've already got a zero on your APH, are you going to really want to risk, or you've got more than one zero on your APH, are you going to want to risk another one and just really hurt your your yield uh, from from a from an insurance standpoint? I, I you know. But that's what I'm kind of struggling with right now is how many zeros are out there on some of these guys' ground. But what else are they going to do? You know, you know they'll they'll plant and hope they they get a crop and and maybe not insure it at all. I I, I I'm just sort of talking out of my. Uh, uh, <laughs> Careful! I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, really? I'm just talking right now. I'm not sure I know what I'm. I'm not sure I know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, th- you know, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, on the head, Gerald. Uh, you, you, we, we do have to be careful about that. I'm way out on a limb, in my opinion. I've got acreage at 12.2 million acres, and that's because of. <laughs> The most recent price rise and how strong it has been, coupled with what I'm thinking we're going to see for the last two weeks in, in February, that we'll continue to see a price rise, and that's going to bring more acreage in. Uh, and and we do have to fight this drought in, in 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 Texas, and we do have to fight this this flood in in in. Uh, uh, Argentina, Brazil, or South America specifically, and the fact that corn, a corn grower, and I'm talking about a guy that's got like 10,000 hectares, 20,000 acres, he is he's netting more than $4 a bushel on corn, netting. So the Brazilian folks are going to plant corn. Cotton's not going to be that big a deal, plus cotton is already starting to get late for planting because of the, uh, the soybean harvest is, is going to be late. So what are we going to have in South America? But uh, as I think Gerald said, Kip too, about, you know, it's, that's down the road a bit. But uh, it's certainly in the market forecast. And, and, and with all this government money coming in, uh, the thing that we truly want, we're starting to see, and that's demand. And if, if there's the effect of manholes and we have these crop problems, it's uh, trying to think, as I said, the, uh, the, the weather guy that uh, I've talked to, and he's handled weather for the entire Mid-South uh, for a long time for U.S. Weather Service. He said, uh, hold on to your hat with respect to uh, prices. I mean, he's not a market guy, but he just... He, He's he, being a weather guy. He's a production guy. Quote unquote. Hold on to your hat. Um, go ahead. Well, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean there's a drought situation, or that they're he's looking for, or what? Yes, he's 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 looking for the drought in uh, uh, in in Texas to intensify, and he's looking for the mid south to be a bit wet. Okay. I All think right. that's consistent with what we're hearing from other folks as well. And and, you, you, and you've got to think that with all this uncertainty 
on the dryland acres in Texas, and even in South Texas right now, even the, the subsoil moisture is, is okay. They still need a planting rain. You know, guys are reluctant to, to sell anything. So, you know, it's there's not only a, a lack of natural selling in current crop, but I think there's a lack of natural selling in new crop until we get a little bit later in the year and these guys know what they're going to be able to put into the ground and what they might expect to, to make production-wise. Good point. Well, let's let's uh, let's go through and give our forecast for old crop and new crop. Uh, and, Gerald, I'd like to start with you. And we kind of touched on this, but let's go ahead and, and look at old crop price projections and new crop. Well, um, I think old crop, you're starting to get into a little bit of a panic mode for those people who need to, to fix uh, to fix futures. Uh, and I'm talking mills who've got stuff on call. Um, they kept waiting for a correction. We never really had a correction. And now what do you do? And I think, you know, you had a lot of – I believe that today you had a lot of speculative money coming into this marketplace. I'm sure there was probably some trade buying in here. But I, I think you're, you're starting to, to really attract the, the, the speculators in this thing. And you've got mills out here who are short. They need to fix at some point. Um, you know, I don't know that I can get up to, to $1.09 like OA, but I definitely think mid-90s on old crop is, uh, is, is very, very doable. I mean, it's not that far away, right? What are we, $0.07, cents, $0.08 cents away from mid-90s? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't we don't have to climb very far. New crop, um, the uh, um, you know <laughs> I had a measured move of eighty four thirty, which looks almost ridiculous today. We almost got up there. Um, we weren't very far away. Now I'm going to have to do some little bit of recalculating, but uh, certainly eighty eight to ninety two cents is seems to be in the cards for for new crop. And it could even go higher, depending on on the weather as we move forward. Okay, Kip, give us your projections. I um, I I, I find it hard to argue with um, with Gerald. I, new crop, I think, or excuse me, current crop. I think it might be a because there's not a lot of natural selling that Gerald's pointed out before, and we we've talked about the the cotton out of farmer hands, I do think we have the potential for it to move into the mid-90s or higher. I think the downside on this market in the short term is pretty limited. I, I thought we wouldn't be surprised to see a correction in the mid-70s. I don't think we can see that now. I think it's more like a, a 77 kind of level if we get a correction uh, in it. But to Gerald's point, there are a lot of these mills that need to fix cotton. So that might even mitigate that because we got good fixed price buying around the uh, the high 70 level too. So that sort of puts a I think a reasonable floor on the on the current crop. New crop, uh, there's so much to go on between now and then, but I, I I do think that the current crop is going to quote pull new crop up to a degree, and so I don't I'm not at all surprised to see prices in the uh, in the high 80s, possibly low 90s for new crop. Uh, the potential for the longer term is that if the demand continues as it appears now, that 
the potential for higher prices in new crop is not in December, but in in March or May, if some of these weather events occur as they might, uh, which I, I think could put a big fundamental uh, sort of catalyst under the market. So yeah, I, I went a long way to say I think that the new crops probably in the, the, um, the high 80s, perhaps low 90s, and current crop I already talked about. So I think that takes care of me. All right, away. Well, I, I'm, I guess agree totally. You said my obvious old crop is 96 to 109. I'm not going to have but one bale left to fix at 90 cents. Uh, one bale, you can fix it then at a dollar, you can fix it at a dollar nine, or you can fix it at 66 cents, whatever you choose to do. But I'm I'm getting rid of every single thing. I don't have a half of it left anyway. Uh, and Mark's always gone higher, and I thought it'd go about. I want to say 20 cents, but 15 cents anyway. Uh, new crops coming on, uh, I've priced half of it at, at 80 cents. I'd price another 10% at 85, and uh, somewhere around 88 cents, I'd, I'd be 90, 95% price there. I'm not going to hold it. I can't. Uh, prices are just too high. I like what Kip and Gerald both said, into the upper 80s for new crop. And if we get these weather scenarios that are, that, 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 uh, one, the Brazilian scenario is well into effect already. Uh, and at the corn market being as high as it is, it's already taking cotton land away from uh, cotton, or land away from cotton plantings in Brazil. And that's a big competitor nowadays in the export market. So uh, I'm, I'm, that in the upper 80s, but I see I'm going to get rid of a lot of cotton well before that. Oh, uh anecdotally, um, there in the in the Delta, um, are you hearing guys changing their mind about planting more grains and maybe plant or you know that I don't know that there would have been a big shift anyway, but. Are you hearing of even a smaller shift away from cotton into the, into grains and maybe planting a little more cotton where we're yes, at now? Yes, a little more cotton. A smaller shift out, out of cotton into corn. A little, a little bit. Uh, uh, they're they're wanting to hold on to the cotton. Of course, they'll have to make that decision just right away because it's getting pretty close to corn to go in. I think, like everybody else, we're getting ready to have ten degrees uh, here this next week. So. Uh, then at that time, I think we'll we'll just see if you give us the prices you, you're promising us, Gerald. And if we get what you're promising, we'll plant more cotton. You did say ninety six cents. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I, I didn't mean it. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, great. Uh, any other question? Any other comments before we wrap it up? Pat, my okay, uh, cotton so- magazine came today, and I see Barry Evans on the cover as the cotton marketer of the year, the Joel Neal cotton marketer of the year. Uh, that's great for him, great for, for, for the High Plains, and uh, it's also great for New York Cotton Exchange. Always nice to see the name Joel Neal. Thank you. That's a little advertisement because uh, he was such a great guy, in my opinion. I know y'all too, so thank you for that. All right. <laughs> My my last question for Kip and, and Oway is: are, are we starting to feel crowded on the bull side of the boat now? 
<laughs> yeah, I get a bit bothered about this. There's a lot to be said for that. Um, boat ordinarily exactly. tips when everybody gets on one side, and that is making me a bit nervous right now. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. We want to thank all of you for joining us today. Special thanks to BASF for sponsoring us and bringing this program to you. Uh, thank you always for leading us and Gerald and Kip for joining and, and contributing. Uh, that concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. We'll see you next month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pat.